I'm John. And I'm Roddy. Welcome to the Change for Balance podcast, where we talk with pioneers, leaders, creators, and athletes. We'll dive into issues of today and do our best to come up with solutions. Together, we can create a better world. After all, we are all in this leaky canoe together. On today's episode, we have our dear friend, Dr. Bruce H. Lipton, or as we call him, Uncle Bruce. Bruce is an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit. Stem cell biologist, best-selling author of The Biology of Belief and The Honeymoon Effect, he has been a guest speaker on hundreds of TV and radio shows, as well as a keynote presenter for national and international conferences. Let's get into the show. Yeah! Look at the boys! <laughs> hey guys, been a long, long time. Man, we love you and we miss you. It's so good to see your smiling face. Well, you're the guy that has to put into practice everything I talked about, Mr. Father. It's true. Baby. It's pretty wild. I know. I'm I'm looking at him and he's not, he's, he is communicating in his own way, but I just see the downloading taking place. Continuously. You, you know, how old is he now? He's almost 18 months. Oh, that's older. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, because uh, they they can do sign language in the first few months. Yeah. First couple of months, they can talk to you with sign language. It's like, wow. Yeah. Roddy, how's the baby? Oh, what, no baby? I got a little puppy. <laughs> you well, that's see a, a good practice zone. Practice with a puppy. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a good practice. Sorry, I, I was dialing in the audio settings over here. Want to make oh, right. sure. Right. So listen, uh, how are you guys doing? You keeping up a business and all that stuff? Everything going? Everything's going great. Yeah. Going great. That's, that's what you want in a time of crazy. It, totally. We've got this awesome new studio in yeah. County, and we're still doing the thing, just traveling the world, telling stories as best we can. We just missed right. Yeah, we just missed you. We had this image right here of us walking in Rishikesh. I don't know if you can oh, see Oh, yeah? It. Yeah? Yeah. Bruce, we really want to thank you for taking the time today. We're, you guys, you know, if you ask me, I'm here for you guys anytime. Anytime. We love that. We miss you so much. I mean, even in just like talking about today and thinking about the fact that we get to talk with Bruce is uncle come on up uh, we'll blow your mind bring smiles hey <laughs> your, uh, your energy is just so infectious and contagious and we're so happy to be connecting today yeah well I'm so happy because you guys disappear for a long time but I know you're out there and I'm still glad then that you're still busy which is the name of the game in this time of chaos is to uh, keep it going man yeah yeah, we're trying to keep, we're keeping the dream alive, creating heaven on earth. Well, that that is a thing that we can do, except you have to tell all those followers of yours they can do it. <laughs> and that is what we're doing here. So, you know, as, as storytellers and filmmakers, we believe that our purpose is to do our best to help elevate the consciousness of the planet. And that's what we're doing with this podcast, too, is trying to make this information that we resonate with, that your teachings just digestible to even more people in our generation and the younger generations who might not be aware of even the programs that they have, the limiting beliefs that are putting them on. Quite unfortunate because uh, knowledge is power and a lack of knowledge is a lack of power. And and they've all been disempowered because nobody's going to give them the, 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 you know, story of power. Not going to, that we don't want to help you by telling you you're powerful. So we won't. Okay. That's the way of the world. Yeah, it's yeah. true. And you, you said famously, which I think we really resonated with, is one of your best quotes, is people lead limited lives, not because they have to, but because they think they have to. Yeah. Right? So I wonder if, you, if we could start it off by, if you could just tell us. It started, and I'll try to keep up with you guys. I love it. Well, if you could tell us a bit about these programs that, you know, that are operating pretty much all of us and that a lot of people aren't aware of. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah. yeah. Let's go. I am Bruce. No, no. Let's, let's start differently. Okay. okay. <laughs> Hi, dear friends and cultural creators. I am so excited to be here with John and Roddy because there's great opportunity for empowerment. Empowerment? I go, yeah, look at this world. It seems all falling apart and we all feel like victims. We can't do anything about it. And I go, that's an illusion. We're all powerful creators. And they go, well, then if we're all powerful creators, then how come the world is in such a mess right now? And the answer is, 
well, how much of your life are you actually creating and how much of your life have you been programmed? Programmed? Yes, you know that story, The Matrix? It's not science fiction, folks. It's a documentary. That's documentary, yeah. Everybody's been programmed. And when you understand this, then you could get the red pill and get out of the program. And when you're out of the program, you are the creator. Creator? Like, oh my God, I thought we were just victims of our genes and all that. That's a story that is not valid, and that's a story that has kept you down because people have been teaching a belief called genetic determinism, that genes determine the character of your life, your behavior, your fate, and what's going to happen to you. And I go, well, what does that mean, genetic determinism? Well, we tell people is <laughs> genes turn on and off by themselves, and they uh, control their own behavior. And that as far as uh, you know, you didn't pick the genes you came with. And you can't change those genes if you don't like the characteristics. I said, put all those together. You can't change them. You didn't pick them. And they turn on and off by themselves. When you put all that together, you recognize that you are being programmed to be a victim of your heredity. Whatever is running in your family lineage, you can expect to get it, whether it's uh, Alzheimer's or cancer or diabetes or heart disease. Uh, we always talk about, oh, it's in the genes. Well, let's clear that up. That's a bunch of BS, uh, meaning belief system. <laughs> because the truth, truth is simply this. Research has revealed a new form of heredity. It's called epigenetics, not genetics. Genetics, we say, oh, this character is under genetic control, which means the genes control this character. Today, the new science is called epigenetics. I say, this character is under epigenetic control. I say, what does that mean? Well, epi, the little thing in the front, is a revolution because epi translates as above. So uh, we call skin epidermis. I go, what does it mean? Just below the skin is a layer called dermis, and the skin is just above the dermis, so it's called epidermis. Epigenetic control translates as control epi above the genes. That it turns out that we now know that our consciousness is translated into chemistry by the brain, and that chemistry is then put into the blood, which then feeds the 50 trillion cells that make up a human body. And it turns out it's the chemistry of the blood that controls the genetics. Genes are blueprints. I go, so what? I say, we talk about genes turn on and genes turn off. I go, a blueprint? doesn't have an on and off. I said, go in an architect's office. She's working on a blueprint. Say, hey, is your blueprint on or off? And she would probably say, well, you're crazy. There's a blueprint. There's no on and off. I go, precisely. A gene is a blueprint. It has no ability to turn itself on and off, but it can be controlled by the architect. And I go, who's the architect? I go, the mind is the architect. And it controls the genetic readout through the chemistry that the brain is releasing into the environment, the blood. I go, so what's the point? And the point is this. If the mind changes, the body changes. If you have positive thinking, you can heal yourself of any disease. Oh, thinking positive could heal. I go, hey, it's called the placebo effect. It's been in science for nearly 100 years. I go, what is that? I say, you have an illness and and the doctor said, I got this new pill. I loved it. A while back, there was an ad that said, and it's purple. <laughs> purple pills work much better. you know. So the idea is, this is a new pill just for your issue. And you take the pill, you get better. And then you find out the pill was a sugar pill. It's called placebo. I go, yeah, but what does it mean? It means that the pill didn't heal you it was your positive thinking, your belief about what the pill was going to do that healed you. So positive thinking exists, and it works, and it's science in placebo. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, okay, well, I got that. I, got I said, yeah, but you know what they didn't talk about? Negative thinking. What do you mean? I go, negative thinking is equally powerful in controlling your life as is positive thinking, but it works in the opposite direction. Positive thinking can heal you of any disease. Negative thinking can cause any disease. You could even die because you believe you're going to die. 
And all of a sudden they say, oh, well, no one ever talks about negative thinking. I said, well, it's time to think about it now, folks, because we've been programmed with so much negative thinking that our lives are not going in any direction that we want it to go in, placebo version. We're in what is called the nocebo effect. And I said, what does that mean? It says your belief system is not necessarily sending you any positive information. And I go, why? And I go, because we have been programmed. That's the story of the matrix. <laughs> We've all been programmed. I go, make sense of that. And I go, easily. The brain is a computer. Absolutely 100% computer, organic computer. That's compared to the silicon computer that you're using. But guess what? Both are computers and they both have the same systems. And I go, what does that mean? I go, well, in the old days, you'd go and buy a computer and bring it home and you push the start button, the screen boots up, and it's like, oh, it's ready to go. I say, now do something. You go, I can't do anything. I say, got a brand new computer. What do you mean you can't do anything? Not until I put programs into the computer can I use the computer. And I go, that is the same for a silicon computer and the organic carbon-based computer called the brain. I go, what's the point? Well, the brain of a child the boots up in the last trimester. Yep, the screen's ready to go. Brain's ready to go. But the brain can't do anything. Why? No programs. So the first seven years of a child's life, the brain function, and we, we, we refer to them as vibrations because you can read them electrically, putting wires on a person's head. It's called the electroencephalograph. I could read your brain function electrically. So there are different vibrations reflecting different aspects of the function. Well, for the first seven years of a child's life, guess what? The vibration of the brain is below the vibration of consciousness. A child isn't fully conscious until after age seven. For the first seven years, the predominant brain function has a lower vibration called theta. Theta is characterized as imagination. And this is how kids under seven mix the real world and the imaginary world seamlessly put them together. A kid's riding a broom as if it's a horse. In the child's mind, in theta, imagination is actually manifesting a horse, even though it's a broom. The mother says, give me the broom, and the child looks at her like, what? Because the child doesn't see it as a broom, it's a horse, imagination. Uh, uh, I love the one that's uh, uh, a great one, it's called the tea party. I go, what's that? I said, you pour nothing into the cup. You drink nothing. And then you exclaim, that's the best tea I ever had. <laughs> and I go, that is a manifestation of imagination. And that is a brain function called theta that provides for that. Now comes the part. Theta is also hypnosis. I go, the child is primarily in hypnosis for the first seven years. I go, yes, you know why? Simple question, Roddy, John, how many things must we know to be a functional member of a family? And how many things must we know and behave to be a functional member of a community, right? Thousands of facts. Well, then how's a child supposed to learn all the rules of being a member of a family and the rules to participate in the, in the civilization? I go, it has to download these facts. I said, oh. Theta is hypnosis. It's download. So for the first seven years, a child gets its fundamental program by watching others and downloading their behaviors into their subconscious mind. So the subconscious mind is a hard drive with data, programs. Where'd they get them from? First seven years observing everybody. I go, oh. <laughs> so the programs that you built into your neurocomputer as a child, they didn't come from you. They came from observing your parents, your family, and your community. I go, well, this is uh, an important point for meaning that your computer is now programmed. Well, guess what? 60% of the programs have glitches in them. 60% of the programs are dysfunctional programs. They are self-sabotaging, they're disempowering, they're limiting programs, and you don't even know this. But you say, who cares? I don't use the hard drive a lot. I type all my data into the keyboard. Ah, so the keyboard represents you adding data, and the hard drive is the existing program. And I go, so the subconscious mind is the hard drive. 
It's got all the programs in it. Most of those programs didn't come from you. They observed other people. A little sidebar here. <laughs> Most other people have programs <laughs> that are dysfunctional. Right. And when parents having a dysfunctional program mean you have a dysfunctional program. Yeah. I said, because you copied them, whatever it was. My, my father and mother had a relationship that I wouldn't want to have ever in my life. But as a child, how does a boy get into a relationship? Well, I watched my father and my mother, and then I said, oh, I downloaded that. Not recognizing when I was downloading, that was dysfunctional. <laughs> so I say, so why is this a problem? Because now my hard drive, which has my programs of how to create relationships, is a dysfunctional program. And that's why for 50 years, I couldn't even get a relationship off the ground because I was engaging those programs. You go, oh, engaging the subconscious? I go, yes. I said, but why should I do that? Because the conscious mind's creative. Conscious mind, I can have wishes and desires and manifest stuff. I go, that's what the conscious mind is all about. But the subconscious mind is just a database. And I go, this is the issue that... Uh, John and Roddy spent uh, a lot of time with me hanging out, and we really discussed a lot of stuff, and they're now smart guys. That's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> There's so much. You know, we had this whole list of questions, and he pretty much answered them all in just one thing. So well, the, the big one we didn't get to, and this is the crunchy one, so let's get to the big one. If my conscious mind is a creator mind, then how come my life doesn't match my wishes and desires? Because wishes, if I ask anybody, I say, what do you want? That's a creation. Your answer, anatomically, is going to come from the conscious mind because that's the one that has imagination. This is what would I love to have. That's imagination. Okay? And I go, yep. So wishes and desires are in the conscious mind. But fundamental behaviors, programs, are downloaded in the subconscious mind. So I say, well, what's the issue? And here comes the monkey wrench that messes the whole damn thing up, and that is this. Are we using our conscious mind or are we creating our lives primarily with our subconscious mind? And the answer is quite simple because I just want you to look at the world you're in. You say, is that everything the way you would love to have it? Is the world that you're living in heaven on earth for you? Do you have all the great things and joy and wishes or is the world not living up to those? And the point is very few people are living the real heaven on earth experience. I go, why? I say, because... The subconscious mind can do two things. Ah, I say, well, what's one? I say, one of them, the, the subconscious mind can run a program, okay? But I say, what else? I said, but the subconscious mind can also think. I go, what the hell does that mean? I go, when you're thinking, you're addressing your conscious attention to something on the inside. A thought is inside. Roddy. Today, Tuesday, <laughs> doing on Thursday. Can you tell me what you're doing on Thursday? You got it written down there in front of you? I got it written down somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but where? if you want to answer me right now, what are you doing on Thursday? Can you give me an answer? I can give you an answer, yeah. But you don't have to tell the public what you're doing because you may be embarrassed, so I don't... <laughs> I got, uh, some, got some, some work I have to do, some meetings. Okay, where'd that answer come from? I think it came from my conscious mind. Yeah, and where was it when it, it was looking for it? Was it? It didn't look on your desk and say it's over here, did it? Where, where, where did you get the answer? Inside. <laughs> Not just mine. To get an answer in thought is to look inside where the thoughts are. The yeah. thoughts are not out here. So here's the point. The conscious mind can look at your body as a vehicle with a steering wheel, okay? The conscious mind can put its hands on the steering wheel and drive you to what? Wishes and desires. Mm -hmm. But the conscious mind can think as well. I go, well, wait, what's the difference? I say, when you're driving the vehicle, you're looking out the window at the, where you're going. But when you're thinking, you're not looking out the window, you're looking inside. All of a sudden, that means you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world. I mean, this could be a scary thing. You're, you're driving your car and you start thinking. I go, guess what? You're not paying attention then to the road with your conscious mind. Well, of course, you didn't crash the car. Poor police. I go, <laughs> well, then how, if I, if I was thinking I wasn't paying attention, then who the hell was driving the car? I go, the subconscious mind. It's a program. It knows how to drive a car. It knows how to watch out for things. It doesn't need you to do that. So I say, I give an example. I really, yeah, here's a good one. 
uh, let's say uh, John and I are in the car and we're driving, I'm driving because I'm older, okay, I'm driving, and we get in a great conversation and we talk about the conscious and the spirit and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I look out the window and I go, I haven't paid attention to the road for the last five minutes, which of course I want to, hey, John, guess what? I haven't paid attention for five minutes. I don't want to tell you that because I might upset you. But the point was, I'm still driving. I didn't hit anything as far as I know. I've been within the speed limit. I'm still on the road. Everything is normal. But my conscious mind was not paying attention because I was talking with John and we were focusing on the discussion. And I say, here comes the question that, that now this, the meaning of this comes right here in these two questions. Ready? Question number one. Well, what did you and John talk about? Oh, we talked about consciousness and spirit and all that kind of stuff. Question number two. And what was on the road when you were having a conversation? I go, I don't know. I go, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. I remember the conversation. I don't remember driving. I go, ah, what happened there? And the point was this. When the conscious mind was focused on the conversation, the, the attention was focused on conversation, but it was no longer focused on looking out the window. I said, well, yeah, but... I'm not. Uh, I'm driving the car, going 70 miles an hour here. I'm not. I'm not looking out the window. I go. Don't worry. Subconscious is autopilot. It can take over when the conscious mind's busy. I go. And when is the conscious mind busy? Well, it could be in that conversation. Most of the time, it's busy just thinking. Why? Thinking is not looking out the window. So then, all of a sudden, I say, Well, then, I'm not driving the car. My subconscious is driving the car. I go, yeah, and how was my driving? I go, I'll tell you what, it was exactly as you're programming because it was a program, okay? <laughs> but the issue was <clears throat> you didn't pay attention to the outside world and the behavior was put in by the automatic subconscious. Then we go to some data that now, if you put this data into the fact A, 95% of the day is the amount of time the normal person is thinking. So I said, what does that translate into? That means that 95% of the day, your life is being controlled by the programs while your conscious mind is busy thinking. I go, well, then I would see these programs. I go, no, no, you see, your conscious mind was thinking. It wasn't looking out the window. It was inside. So you didn't see what was going on on the outside. You didn't see your own behavior. I go, why is this important? A psychologist will tell you 60% or more of the programs that you downloaded in the first seven years to put the database in, 60% or more of those programs are limiting and self-sabotaging behavior. And guess what? You express those behaviors. Everyone around you can see those behaviors, but you're the only one that didn't see it. Why? Because it was playing automatically because the conscious mind was busy. I thought, oh... And I go, this is a story, John and uh, Rody have heard this story a thousand times, but I'll tell it to you because now we have a new thing going here. <laughs> you have a friend and you know your friend's behavior very well and you happen to know your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as a parent. And you want to tell your friend, you can't hold back. You just go, hey, John, guess what? You're just like your dad. <laughs> back away from John you know why because I know what John's going to say automatically John's going to say how can you compare me to my dad I'm nothing like my dad and then everyone laughs because they had the experience I said it's such a story in the world I go what do you mean I go everybody else can see John's behavior from his program the only one who can't see it is John mm -hmm. because he's thinking what that program is playing and all of a sudden I go, then you don't see your own behavior. I go, no, you don't. 95% of the time you don't even see it. But it's automatic, so it happens automatic anyway, but you don't see it. And I go, well, then the relevance is this. Was I playing a program that enhances my life or am I playing a program that sabotages my life? And I go, well, the way to answer that is to look at your life. I go, what do you mean? I go, 95% of your life is the program because that's the amount of time you're thinking. So your life is a printout of your program. So I said, well, what does that mean? I said, well, look at your life right now. I'll tell you a simple fact. The things that you like that come into your life 
They come into your life because your program that you got acknowledges those things. But, and this is the big but, bold print, underline, change the color of the font to bright red. But, <laughs> but the idea is this, those things that you wish for and desire, that imagination that you're holding in that conscious mind, the life that you want, if you find that you have to struggle to get there, work hard, sweat over it, trying to make it happen. I'm working on it. I'm going to make it happen. Why are you working so hard? It's not that the universe won't give it to you. The reason why we struggle is that whatever programs we got in that first seven years, they do not support the destination we want. And so, invisibly, 95% of the day, your subconscious is playing those, sabotage, those sabotaging programs. All you see is the results. Not working. Not working. I'm working harder. Not working. I go, you're a creator. This sounds new agey. Oh, my God. This is a mind creating. I go, listen, quantum <laughs> physics. <clears throat> quantum physics is the most valid science on this planet. You probably know crap about quantum physics, but I can tell you a simple fact. You ready? Quantum physics being the most valid science recognizes that consciousness is creating our life experience. That was from 1927. This guy, uh, Max Planck, one of the founding fathers of quantum physics, in 1927 said, consciousness is creating our life experience. <laughs> and then 100 years has passed. And Today, there was, not today, but just recently, there was an article in the journal Nature, which is the most prestigious scientific journal on the planet, written by a physicist, restating exactly what happened in 1927. And the last sentence is, and, and the quantum physics is not what you're, you're familiar with. Huh. Uh, the, the physics you're familiar with is Newtonian physics. That's the one that separated the universe into physical things and invisible things, matter and energy. And in that physics, energy and matter don't interact very much, okay? <clears throat> so your life is based on your physical characters. Quantum physics recognizes that atoms aren't physical. Atoms are made out of energy. So anything that's made out of atoms is by definition made out of energy, which is you and me and Roddy. We're all energy beings, okay? So... In a sense, the physical world, it is truly an illusion. It doesn't exist. I go, but I see it. I can touch it. Come on, you can't tell me it doesn't exist. I go, well, what you see is not the object, me. You're looking at me, and I'm telling you I'm made out of energy. And I say, well, what's important? Energy is not visible. Energy is invisible. And all of a sudden, well, then how, the, how can you see me? And I tell people the answer. They laugh, but I thought, no, no, this is a serious answer. The only reason you can see me is the lights are on. <laughs> I go, no. <laughs> the reason is this. The photons of light hit the energy of me, and they're reflected back. So you don't see me, really. What you see is a veneer of photons that have hit me, and now you're seeing the reflection of those photons. Underneath those photons, I'm invisible. Oh, yeah, really? I got, you know what? In the new scans in technology and medicine, CAT scan, MRI scans, and all that, they don't read light. They only read energy fields. I go, so what? I said, they can look through your body and show you all the structures, your vertebrae, the muscles, the bones, all these different things. I go, I say, but when you see them in a scan, that's not because they're lit up by light. No, because they're made out of energy. That's what the scan reads. So all of a sudden, you have to recognize the scanning devices are showing you the real you, an invisible energy field that you can read with a device that reads energy fields, not light. And I say, so, okay, so everything is immaterial. So let's go back to that article that was in Nature most prestigious scientific journal from a physicist at Johns Hopkins University. And the conclusion sentence, listen to this. The universe is immaterial, which means immaterial means not matter. Okay, it's energy. So let's do it again. The universe is immaterial. It's mental 
and spiritual live and enjoy. A hundred years of quantum physics from Max Planck, and the answer today is exactly the same. It's mental and spiritual, the manifestation. If you don't like the physical world, you don't go out and change the physical world. You change your consciousness of the physical world. The world then changes. And I go, yes, this is absolutely 100% true that you are creating all of this. And you look at it and you go, I didn't create this. I go, yes, you did. But you didn't know you were creating it, just like John didn't know uh, when he was thinking what behavior he was playing. That behavior was manifesting his world. Yeah. Now, if he had good programs, then he doesn't have to pay any attention because if the good programs are playing, they're just going to give him good. But if he has some defective programs, 60% of which most of them are, then those invisible programs that are playing are actually sabotaging him, and he's the only one that can't see it. But then we're all John. We're all doing the same thing, and we're all playing programs, and our life doesn't look good. Our life is a struggle. Our life could have sickness in it. I can't find a relationship. I can't get a job. I'm blah, blah, blah. I can't. Look. It reminds me of yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself, right? Hey, you just told my seminar to one sentence, man. Okay, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what 100% is, change your mind. And the best example is when you fall in love, you stop thinking. I go, what do you mean? I say, it's called being mindful, staying in the present moment. Think about it. You've been looking for this person your whole life. They show up. They're in front of your face. Is this just time to think and go inside and not pay attention to what's going on? I go, no, you want to pay attention. You're in love. I go, so what does that mean? I say, you stop thinking and you stay in the moment and experience what's going on. I go, what? Well, wait a minute. It was the thinking that I was doing that caused the subconscious programs to take over. What if I stop thinking? And guess what? You're not playing the program anymore. It's the red pill. I go, what happens when you stop thinking? Well, now you're controlling your life with the conscious mind, not the program subconscious. I go, so what? I go, conscious mind is the wishes and desires. And that's why when people fall in love, they change their whole world experience in 24 hours. They could go blah, 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 a whole number of years, meet somebody, and 24 hours later, oh, I'm so in love. Life is so beautiful. I'm so happy. The food is great. The music's great. I'm not even tell you about the sex. That I mean, was very great. <laughs> Wait a minute. How did blah, 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 and then 24 hours later, heaven on earth, and I go, because that's what happens the moment you stop playing the programs, then the creative mind takes over and manifests wishes and desires. And so your life is now a struggle between the wishes and desires held in the conscious mind and the programs that are logged into the subconscious mind. That's where the issues come from. And this is why it's so important to recognize that you're not creating your life, your programs are creating your life 95% of the time. And most of those are not really supportive of you. And therefore, when you look at your life, it's not the one you want. It's the one you've been programmed to live. And a matter of fact, is this some brand new idea? Well, I go, in science, it's the new mechanism that we understand. But the idea is over 400 years old. I go, what do you mean? I go, the Catholic Jesuits have told their followers for four hundred years, give me a child until it is seven, and I will show you the man. People that heard that go, oh, they had no idea what the hell they were saying. Now let's stop and analyze what they were saying. Give me the child for the first seven years is what? That's the program period. They were saying, if I can program that child for the first seven years, 95% of its rest of the life of that child will come from the program. And that's when they created Catholic school. I want you to be a Catholic your whole life, so let me give that first seven years of programming, and then I don't have to do any more teaching. It's built into the program right now. They knew that. But today, programmers have gone way beyond anything the Jesuits could have ever imagined in programming. 
when and infant and John, your infant is. I know it's so much pressure being a dad now. I'm like, am I programming? You are programming everything. And when people see a, a, a child who can barely walk carrying an iPad, <laughs> you're seeing some programming that transcended anything those Jesuits could have thought of. <laughs> we are all being programmed. And that program is all the result of what? Taking away your power. Because if you have no power, then you're not creating. You're creating from the program. And they control the program. Yeah. And that's part of it. It's like when it comes to health, uh, the average family, somebody's sick. Oh, daddy went to the doctor. Mommy got sick. She went to the doctor. I got sick. I went to the doctor. I said, if a child is experiences a, experiencing this in the first seven years, I say, what is the download from that experience? And the answer is this. Well, when it comes to health, I don't do it. It's not me. It's the, the doctors, the professional one. I go, well, consciousness is creating our experience. I go, yeah, but you just gave the power of creating your health to that person. And their words now control your health because you are not owning that I'm powerful to take care of myself. Oh, no, I don't know anything about health. The doctor can heal me. You gave up your power. You've lost power. Why? You're the one that controls your health. If you listen to their words, you could die. Oh, yeah. You know, they could tell the patient, oh, let's see, we're looking at the chart. Oh, my God, this cancer, you're, you got cancer, you're going to die in three months. Person buys it. They get sick. They die in three months. When they've done autopsies on a number of them, guess what? There was no cancer that killed them. It was the belief they were going to die because consciousness controls the biology. And all of a sudden it says, well, when it comes to health, if you grew up in a conventional family, you have unconsciously given away the power over your health to somebody else. And, and that's why, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people are sick as dogs. They go, I'm going to go to the doctor. And they get to the doctor's office, and they're sitting in the waiting room. And guess what? I'm feeling pretty good now. I feel up. Totally. They didn't even see the doctor. You know why? Because the program said when you're sick, go to the doctor. But it never said what the doctor will do. All you had to do was go. <laughs> and that's why I did what the subprogram, the subconscious program. I went to the doctor. Oh, okay. Now you can get well again. You did what the. How do you seek health? Go to the doctor. I'm here. So true. Yeah. And so, you know, with all these things, you guys, and uh, I so appreciate you so much because you've taken your lives and uh, uh, coincidentally followed a lot of the things that I was talking about and have been creating a most wonderful life experience, which is so important as to why you are creating the podcast, et cetera, to do what? And that is give knowledge to people. Knowledge is power. And the lack of knowledge is the lack of power. And the system today does not want to empower you. It wants to control you. And the best way of controlling you is guess what? Not give you the power. Not tell you in the real understanding of quantum physics and the new science of epigenetics that you are the master creator of your life. You're not going to see that on TV, man. <laughs> Why? Because power is the name of the game. Who has the power? And we've all been disempowered, you know? And an unfortunate part is even the COVID story, while everybody focuses on the COVID and the illness and all that, you didn't see the bigger picture. And that was this. You were all disempowered. I go, what do you mean? People only have power when they're in a community. If there's no community, the individual has no power. The COVID story was a global experience of disempowering the entire public. Why? Put your mask on, don't talk to them, keep away from them, stay at your own home, don't socialize, stay away. I go, what did that do? I say, it broke community down across the entire globe at one time. At one time, all of the people had no power, and where was the power? In the hands of a few people. I stood at the time and said, put a mask on, get a booster shot, and all that. And it's like, uh, everybody else became victim. You know? Totally. Uh, but not you guys. I don't see any sickness over there, Roddy. You're doing good, baby. John, I, yeah, you say good, John, because you're the, uh, you're the teacher of an, a new soul. Yeah. Who's coming in. 
take that responsibility very seriously. I mean, it's a very important part because if the programming is right right now, you can create the most powerful creator. Yeah. And and this is what the point is. We are the, the creators, right? We create that's right. There, there, some of the people I'm sure are not familiar with a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a book that comes to a simple fact. If you grew up in a poor family, you have a tendency to stay poor the rest of your life. If you grew up in a rich family, you'll stay rich whether you mean to or not. Why? Because the programming that makes you poor or the programming that makes you rich is not in your conscious mind. It's in your subconscious program. And it works 95% of the day. So poor people come from the fact, oh, there's no way out. We're lost. We're doomed. I can't make it. There's not enough money. I go, these are programs that will keep you in that spot for the rest of your life. Rich ones, they get the programming unconsciously of how to keep the money and make more money. You know, uh, I can't get political because I want <laughs> political just for a second. Okay. Yeah. Come on, we can have some fun. <laughs> Donald Trump is an idiot, but his programming that he got from his father is keeping him up there in an elevated area. Not because he's capable of doing it, given his conscious mind. No, he can't even read, okay? But when he's playing his subconscious program of what? How to stay rich and create rich and how to rip people off like his, his father did? Yeah. He's good at it. That's some good programs. Hardwired programming right there. That was That's programming. But most of us did not have that rich programming, rich dad, poor dad. Most of us came from, hey, we'll struggle and we'll make it. I go, well, struggle then became part of the program. I go, yep, and therefore you will manifest it whether you wish it or not. Why? It's not you and your creative mind. It's you and your subconscious mind. And all the young people out there have to recognize, look at your life right now. You feel like total disempowerment. I can't get a job worth a damn. I got a college degree, and I'm working here at McDonald's, and I can't afford this. I got to live with four people in there because I can't afford the rent my own self. The future is bleak, blah, blah, blah. It's going downhill. I give up. I have no responsibility. I don't care anymore. I go, they disempowered you. They disempowered you because you've given up. (laughs) And the fact is, no, this is not the time to give up. This is time to listen to Roddy and John and say, I want my power. Because when I'm powerful, I can create. And uh, I so appreciate you two guys because, like myself, when I first started and I knew the science of this creation mechanism, the epigenetics of it, and I got all excited because I said, oh, my God, if you understand this, you create this most fabulous life. I tried to get people to come together in a room so I could give them a story and say, this is how to create the most fabulous life. And they look at me and they go, You know, Lipton, for a guy who says you know this stuff, your life doesn't look that good. And I realized something. I'm talking the talk. I was not walking the talk. The words mean nothing if you don't use the words. The words were up here. Conscious, wow, amazing. But it never got down to the program part, which was still the same old life. So as smart as I was, my life was as dumb as it always was. And the issue about this, <clears throat> when you guys are helping people, you know, move on, we have to do what I had to do, and you guys are clearly doing that, and that is there's a part about talking about this and there's a part about actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And the talking part is useless because it's only the putting it into practice doesn't make any difference to anybody. And people are out there, and I say, what are they putting into practice? Programs of uh, disillusionment, programs of failure, programs that, hey, I'm lucky they threw some you know crumbs my way. I'm accepting the crumbs because I'm lucky to get the crumbs. That's a consciousness that has to change. You can have what you want, but you have to change the programming that's running 95% of the day that you downloaded from other people. And when you do that, then you get out of the hole because then you start living the program you want. <clears throat> and you can change these programs, which of course is really necessary. Uh, and you can rewrite these programs, uh, edit your subconscious programs, 
And I go, so what's the point about that? And I say, well, if you edit them, why not put in programs that manifest your wishes and desires? I go, why? Because then at 95% of the day, you're going to be thinking about any damn thing you want. But 95% of the day, the programs that you are now manifesting from that subconscious will be ones that will enhance your life, whether you're paying attention or not, as opposed to the current situation where those invisible programs are unconsciously sabotaging. If I change the programs, then I don't even have... That's the beautiful part about it. Oh, do I, how much harder do I have to work? I go, change the program. You don't have to change anything. Why? It's been controlling your life already now, no matter what you're doing. So if you put in a great program and put it in there, it'll create a great life with you not even putting an effort into it. I go, is it that easy? I go, yes, it's that easy. But you didn't have the insight. You didn't get the instruction. You were programmed just to be the opposite. You're a victim. Things aren't going to be any good. Life's hard. Struggle. Everybody gets sick. It's like, oh. <laughs> and that's where we are. And and uh, I'm happy because I've known you guys for a while, and and, uh, uh, and I get excited because the younger people are going to take over this planet. And they're going to take it over. They have to do a different vision because the vision that we're operating from, the way we're living on this planet today, a simple fact, and you can't have, there's no getting around this fact, and that is this. To sustain civilization so we can just keep the life we have right today, right now, just let's say we can make it permanent, we sustain civilization, just keep it just the way it is today, it takes 1.6 planet Earth to support that. Well, there's a problem. There is no extra 0.6 planet Earth to provide for all that stuff. That means we cannot live this way any longer. And I go, this is why it's falling apart. This is why we're facing an evolution. This is why it says we have to change the way we're living on this planet because the way we're living, we're exceeding the capacity of the planet to provide. And I go, well, then you can't do the same. Or I go, yeah, isn't that a simple fact? <laughs> There's no extra 0.6. So the only way to survive is to rewrite the program and change the way of life on this planet. And all those bemoaning young people are, oh, not working. You don't recognize the important part that it's not working for you because basically it disconnects you from the structure that is not working. You are now outside of that structure. And that is the platform to create a new structure. You can't create a new one from inside the system. You have to go outside the system. Well, the young people are essentially alienated. Yeah, my dad's got, uh, you know, a Mercedes and a Jaguar and all that, and I got a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah that world is changing because um, we need to live in a different way, and uh, that's why I want to thank you guys for giving me this opportunity to spout off some stuff here. But <laughs> the beautiful part about it for me is I'm not just spouting it off. I see you guys in operation, and that's basically, I said, do what these guys are doing. Listen to what they're doing. Because they've caught on to the insight of how to re-empower your life, to get your, get your power back, get your creativity in flow. Because when you do, we create a new world. And just because you can't get into the old world, that's not a bad thing. Think about it. It's the old world that's causing the problem. Why the hell do I want to jump into the old one that's causing the problem? <laughs> I have an opportunity to create the new one. And there are jobs out there that you haven't even imagined which are just being built every day, brand new jobs. You have never imagined these jobs. Why? Because most of them are to return the planet back to a healthy garden again. And how to live in an environment, support the environment, support the animals, the plants, the people, the babies. How to create support for them in a, in a world that is not based on how much money you have. It's really based on how much love you have. Everybody thinks, if I buy enough toys, I'm going to be really happy. I say, that's a bunch of BS again. I say, what do you mean? I say, it was like Christmas a long time ago, and you went under the tree and you got your present out. And you're oh. And a few days later, that toy is in the closet, never to see the light of day again. Because guess what? Where's my little toy? <laughs> and the point about all this is 
that we've been programmed to look for the joy by getting something physical. Give me that present. Give me that 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 new player. Give me give me that that new video. Give me that new 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 new. And I go, why did you want all that? Because it gave me joy. I go, you can get joy without buying anything. You could sit outside and watch a sunset. I mean, I could be inside watching the TV. I said, that's where your problem is. Get away from the damn thing. Go outside and look at the sunset. Life gives you joy without the necessity of buying something. And the problem is we are looking for so many things that we've extracted the resources of the planet to make you that new iPhone, <laughs> to make you this new thing that within a few days is like, okay, where's the next new thing? It's like, you know, boom. Let me take this drug. I feel really good. Okay, it's wearing off. I need some more new drugs now. It's like, that's the way we've been programmed to live on this planet. But you can have all the joy and happiness just by being with someone or uh, being with a pet. Doing gardening. Yeah, put your hands in the ground. Watch things grow. Yeah. Doing artwork. Yeah. Yeah. These are things that give satisfaction. Did I have to buy satisfaction? Well, most people believe that's where it is today. What can I buy that's going to give me happiness? Say, and how long is that going to last? <laughs> you know? It's like, what do I need to do? How about um, cultivating friendship? Well, that's a good idea. How about cultivating community? Yeah. Why? Working in community is where the power of life is going to manifest itself. And the idea of breaking community is where the powers to be don't want you to manifest yourself. So when community disappears, you've lost your power. And you guys are the uh, seeds out there, the community Johnny Apple seeds, planting seeds out there to make more apples. Well, you could get an apple or you could get another phone. I don't care which one, but the idea about it is I appreciate everything you guys are doing because you need this. We want to be mindful of your time, Uncle Bruce. We know we're a little over. Yes. What is time anyway? <laughs> if you're having a good time, what is time? If you're having a bad time, get me out of here. You know, but I'm having a good time. So now I'm not going anywhere. All right. You said an interesting thing about you know, community and yeah. and one of your interviews about Charles Darwin and survival of the fittest and survival is a struggle and we have to work hard and, you know, we have to compete against each other and bury the loser so that I could be the winner. And what you were just explaining is that survival is collaboration. The garden only exists if we come together and unite. That's, and, yeah, it's a, I love to give the, I always say, the garden is not a battleground. The garden is the height of community. Everything in that garden is contributing to the wholeness of the garden. There's no battle among them. Battle is the garden's going to fall apart. Oh, well, we know that by looking at the world we're in right now. Uh, and the fact is, yeah, uh, the Darwinian view, which is, is infiltrated thinking of everyone on the planet for the last couple hundred years, is the uh, emphasis of competition. Okay, the new science, 180 degrees different, so different, complete opposite, because the new science says that evolution is based on cooperation, not on competition. And we're in a competition thing, and the powers to be love it because it's like those, you know, strange movies where future games where they're all competing to stay alive or something, the Hunger Games and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> The, the, the more competition gets us fighting harder and against each other. When the fact was, no, evolution wasn't the competition. Evolution was cooperation. Completely different than the programming of the planet at this point. It kind of goes back to the divide and conquer concept, right? Like it's easy to control a population that's not united. If everybody loved each other and saw each other in each other's eyes and took care of each other, then it would be a lot harder to control the masses. Exactly. And that's why we have people fighting against people, you know, race against race, religion against religion, nation against nation. All of this is head to head bullshit. Oh, shut down. 
and, and the idea they encourage that. Like, uh, hey, the biggest expenditure on this planet for Americans is the war machine. The war machine uses more money than all of the other needs of this country are are outdistanced by the budget of the war machine. And the war machine sells to both sides. They don't give a damn who's the winner as long as they sell the, the, the stuff. You want a tank? You want a tank? I, I'm working. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the reality is the war machine is the biggest push on the American economy yeah. to the extent that nobody even questions the budget. How much is it? That's what it is. Okay. Don't go. Oh, food lunch? No, no. How much is that going to cost? That's too much. Hey, new supersonic bomber? I don't care what. Just write a check, man. It's okay. We pay for it. Taking care of the, the public? I'm not sure we want to do that. I go, okay, people, it's, it's in your face right now. <laughs> you can put up with it, which a lot of people resign to. That's just the way it is. Or you could say, I want to change the game. Does it work? Well, these two guys right here are living the new game. What makes What's that? Makes humanity more humane, right? Well, that was the original intention of the definition. But the humane is the last thing we are in today's world with killing each other, you know, like... Uh, my God, the amount of guns in this country and the amount of violence that it becomes so every day. Because when it becomes every day, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's okay. It becomes average. When there's one violent shooting, everybody's <clears throat> But when there's a hundred violent shootings, it's like, oh, hey, that's another one. Another one. And we've accepted it. We bought into, oh, that must be acceptable behavior because it keeps continuing. It's like, not acceptable. <laughs> but it keeps the machine running. Yeah. All kind of a reflection of where we're at collectively with our psyche as a global community, right? Like these things wouldn't be occurring if everybody was taken care of, if people cared for each other, if we extended our hand to our enemy and said, what can we agree on? These types of things wouldn't be happening. In the world, right? So it's just not at all. You know, a very interesting story that's true was the, the Arab Spring where everything started fires in the Middle East over there. Started it actually in Tunisia with a fire. A man immolated himself, burned himself in front of the government building because he was just a pushcart peddler trying to sell stuff, and everybody was pressing on him. The government, the police, and everybody wanted some piece of him, and he couldn't live. He just couldn't live, and he said, I can't live, and he stood in front of the government building, doused himself with gasoline, and burned himself, and that started the Arab Spring, okay? Well, the next big step in Tunisia, which is where this happened, was they got rid of the dictator. They go, yeah, now what? Well, now they have a Congress, and they have to put together a new world for Tunisia because the thing was broken under the dictator. So they get together, and guess what? In this all-male parliament, what did they do? They turned into factions, warring each other, antagonizing each other. You know, just like we have in the U.S., Democrats, Republicans antagonizing each other. They didn't make any progress at all. All they did was argue. A year later, I think, is when they had an election, and for the first time, women got put into the parliament. First time, never happened. But when the fighting started among the men, the women said, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, we're not getting anywhere with you guys fighting each other. So we have a better plan, and that was what? Why don't we start working on the things we both agree on rather than starting off on the things we don't agree on. And all of a sudden, they started to put that, yeah, well, we would like health care. Yeah, we want better education. All of a sudden, they started to realize they had more in agreement than they had in disagreement. They wrote a constitution that the Nobel Peace Prize gave them the Peace Prize that year for the constitution, which is even better than, much better than even the U.S. Constitution. Everyone given liberties and rights and freedoms as part of their world over there. I say, how did that happen? They stopped the competition and started to recognize, first, we need cooperation. And that is what the women brought into it. And we can't underestimate that because they've been left out of the story for so long as second-class citizens. And there is no such thing as a second-class citizens. We're all first-class citizens. 
And the women especially have been paying the price forever for this stuff. But it just showed, look, a world that was falling apart was within a year brought together and became so powerful that they were recognized by the United Nations, uh, you know, as the uh, Nobel Committee as one of the most peaceful advances on the planet. We need that here. We need that everywhere. We don't have it. We still. I look at it now and I go, oh, look at the look at the political situation. Two f- losers. Pick a loser. Which <laughs> losers do you like? Yeah. We have no winners. We have no champions for us who's out there that's taking care of you guys nobody so what does that mean top down it's got to come from us collective the united states was founded on a principle written in latin as the motto was e pluribus unum i go what does that mean from many comes one and that is our destination from all of the people we have to come together and create one and right now we're creating factions uh, just like uh tunisia before the women came into the parliament you could argue all you want you're never going anywhere all you are sticking up with your fights and that's a bunch of bs as well right there we're all in the leaky canoe together that's why i trust in you guys and i'm so appreciative of both of you because you're taking intelligence and consciousness and trying to you know feed the public with it because they've been lost they've been misprogrammed they watch this tv show it's like what you know listen to this news that's not news that's propaganda <laughs> you know and i so appreciate it because you guys can give people the idea, the concept, the empowerment of let me stand on my own two feet and do this and not just wait for somebody to hand me something or look at myself at the end of the line of scraps and see if there was anything left. No. And I want to thank you for this opportunity for letting me talk to this community because I really want to encourage them and say, the best is coming. You haven't even seen it yet. All you see is the falling down. But... The most important part is not the falling down. It's the rebuilding that we need to do. It's like a, a caterpillar is a voracious organism. Caterpillar will eat all the leaves off of a plant. <laughs> you put it on a plant, all the leaves are going to be gone. It eats everything. When it runs out of the resource, guess what? It goes into a, a, a pupa, a chrysalis, a cocoon. I said, what goes on in there? And I say, the cells of the caterpillar, like the cells of the human, are miniature people. When the caterpillar was doing its job, eating and moving and doing all these cells were doing their work, man, I'm moving, we'll go to this leaf, we'll eat this leaf, we'll digest this stuff. All the cells in the body were working. No more food, no more movement, no more work. What did it do? It wrapped itself in a cocoon. I said, then what happened? The structure of the butterfly, excuse me, of the caterpillar, breaks down the cells are not organized into a community anymore they're not working and then i say then what happens i say there are some specialized cells in that community that are shouting and saying there's a better way there's a new way to do this and organizes those soupy looking cells into something new called the butterfly and the butterfly emerges with the lightest touch on the planet compared to the caterpillar which had the heaviest touch on the planet but the only way it got there is that the structure of the caterpillar had to break down so the cell population can retool to make the new one. Uh, and, and you guys, to me, are the equivalent uh, of these what are called imaginal cells that are saying, look, it is falling down. Yeah, your life sucks right now. It's not really looking good, but there's a better way. And if we do this better way, we create a new organism. The future you... Or the future civilization on this planet is moving from the <laughs> caterpillar, which is voracious, has eaten up the planet so much we can't even support ourselves in it. And it's moving into, let's create a better one. So I so appreciate you as imaginal cells saying, look, there's a pathway to create that butterfly and free ourselves from, from this, this mess. 
Uh, and without that information, people will just be a soup of cells walking around. I lost my job. It's not working. I got no money. I got no health care. And it's like, future, change this game. And that's why I want to honor you two for, for uh, the work you're doing. I know from you know a while now what you, you've been doing and where you're going. And to me, as an evolutionary biologist, I, I honor you for this because until knowledge is given to the people... And knowledge is power. The consequently, then where they are right now is a lack of knowledge, which means a lack of power. And that's what they're manifesting. So they need that information from you guys to go out there and keep going out there and saying, we can do better. We can make this better. Don't be discouraged. Get, be prepared. <laughs> discouraged means you gave up. I'm not giving up. I'm, I'm contributing as best I can to the new one. And that's what, if they did that, then their lives meaning changes. I'm not just surviving. I want to thrive. And this, and this is the point. And they're only going to do that with the awareness that you two guys can offer them. And that's why, A, I'm honored to be here, and B, I'm honored to, to have your audience as uh, uh, my audience right now. So I can give them that message as well. I want to encourage them. Does does it work? Yes, it works. You know why? I have the greatest life on this planet, and I never had that for 50 years. And now it's like, what? Consciousness change, new game, honeymoon, living heaven on earth for the last 28 years, every day. It doesn't mean everything goes the way I want it to go. But what it means is this, I let go of it. If it's not working the way I want it to go, it's generally because the universe is saying, Bruce, there's another way to get there and you're going the wrong way. I don't want you to go this way. Go this way. But most of us say, it's not working. I'll make it work. I go, let go. <laughs> let go. There's another way to do it. Beautiful. Uncle Bruce, we thank you so much for the kind words. Truly, we would not be here if it weren't for pioneers and leaders like yourself. We love you. We admire you. You inspire us. And we thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate both of you so very much because I know the evolution is in your hands. You're going to be here with them when I'll be fertilizer, very soon, you know, whatever. But uh, I'm going to be happy fertilizer. Yeah. Plants are going to grow wherever I am. Those plants are going to grow. Why? The energy is good. Yeah. That's what yeah. We love you, Uncle Bruce. I love you guys and I have deep appreciation for your work, your efforts, and your intention yeah, to like create a better world, guys. Thank you, John, Roddy. Thank you so very much, man. Yeah, we love you. We'll talk to you soon.